tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. All men and women created by the goal, you know the you know the It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land as a land of the free? Now show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classroom. Then stand up and sing about the land of the free. Which do you like more, Congress or lice? <laughs> Well, we like lice. Here's my eight words people need to stop redefining. Hate, victim, hero, shame, violence, survivor, phobic, and white supremacist. That America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. Well, there is so much to talk about this week. Uh, we definitely have some uh, communication from our favorite socialist, uh, as well as some other people coming in from Twitter. Uh, but with that said, I am pretty much at a mental freeze waiting for the world to come to an end. So Sean was nice enough to come up with a topic for us. Sean. Oh, I have several. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Here's the funny part. I don't think the world is actually coming to an end any faster than it always was. It's just I think we remain kind of on the cusp of we're going to screw this up. You know, like I, I think we're always there. But <laughs> so me... this explains my my uh, lengthy life with anxiety. We're constantly about to screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Get some D8 gummies. They're probably legal in your state. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I found out they're legal in Texas. It's, it helps anxiety. Uh, but uh, I am going to, and I'm, I apologize for this in advance. I'm about to get on my favorite soapbox, my absolute favorite. The, the, oh, I didn't realize we had a favorite. Oh, I do. Okay. Um, and that is the... Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but how how the how men and women in society interact and are going to proceed in the near and uh, long term future. Oh, because that's not getting simpler at all. No, it's not. And yeah, I've read uh, several books recently and uh, seen a lot of uh, stuff because it's it's one of my favorite topics. In fact, it's one of like, uh, if you listen to the, the front parts of this cast, uh, um, you know, I say front parts, the, the earliest episodes and some of the WA stuff that I've done, you would know that it is one of my favorite rants. Like, the future of how men and women relate together and, and how that's going to happen and what we're going to do uh, is a hobby of mine. And I, I, I can I, see I, this. I don't I don't disagree with you. I personally think that we're coming. We, we've had this conversation before. I'm personally of the opinion that we're going to come to a point where people are going to have programmed companions versus actual relationships. Oh, I would suggest to you that that's probably already happening. But 
Um, and we can go over that a little bit too. <laughs> uh, there's the thing, right? Like I try and stay up on it as much as I can. And the problem right now is I haven't been wrong yet uh, with the immediate future. And like 10 years ago, I was predicting what's already happening. And, and it's like, Joe, oh, would you stop doom calling? It's, it's time for more doom calling because we've, we've had a shift. And I think the shift has happened kind of right at the pandemic and moving forward. And it's been about two years now, and I'm starting to see the patterns, and other people are too. But for just a second, let's review. Uh, if you remember uh, a while back and, and in years past, I've been telling you that the pendulum is swinging the other way. Uh, the society uh, gathers strength for and celebrates women, and men are kind of being tucked under that particular envelope. Well, I mean, it, it, hell, you can look at the way the language is, has changed. The, the classic concept of masculinity is now referred to as being toxic. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, that's actually one of the topics I wanted to talk about. In fact, it's it's part of the root of the topic that I wanted to talk about. I read two excellent books recently. Uh, one was by Nicholas Eberstadt. It's called Men Without Work. And the other one was... I just heard him interviewed literally yesterday. Really? Yeah. What'd you think? It was absolutely fascinating. The book is just as good. But um, but, but but even then, I, you know, actually, it, I'm I've got it on my list to download. So, um, but actually, it means I actually will do it as soon as this cast is over. But I think one of the things I was finding out was is how many of our how many misconceptions there are out there about who, how, and why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be, be, because quite frankly, the, the the men who are not working are not the immigrants that you will see a lot of people on both left and right complaining about. It, it's actually the white guys. Yeah, uh, and, working and it, age and it, white men. And it's not even so much the idea of not being capable of working or not even being able to find work, but being completely, totally and utterly unwilling to do the job. Yeah, that, disillusioned that is, and disheartened it, and... Well, that that was part of what he he at least in the interview was not willing to commit to. But the concept of that there is more of a desire to what he called watch versus do. Yeah, watch the news, watch videos, watch you know all those, and not do. There, uh, and this is not just something that's um, now he doesn't go into it. He's mainly concentrated on the United States. Uh, but this is something that's happening in countries all over the world. Uh, well, but the other part with that was absolutely fascinating, which makes it harder for people to refute where he comes from, is the fact that he's not coming at this from a socio-political or socio-economic concept. He's coming at it from a mathematical concept. He's yeah. he, he's a mathematician. He, he's hard he did numbers. Nothing more than look at the numbers. Yeah, it's all data driven. And, 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 and that was really kind of creepy. The other part about that that was kind of creepy was, is as much as he revised his book for just after the pandemic, that this was all written, predicted, and done prior to even Trump being elected. It's just sped up. Uh, a lot of the things that that I was talking about and that, that a lot of uh, people like Nicholas Everstadt were talking about, the pandemic just sped it the hell up. Instead of 10 to 15 years, it was done in a year, year and a half. And this is all happening now. 
and uh, in China they call it laying down. Um, they well, they, China they're trying to incentivize women to marry laid down men. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're just they have a, a an overwhelming feeling of hopelessness and and uselessness, and it's it is infectious. It really is because if you if you want to destroy a man, don't give him a rallying point. Don't make him angry. That'll make him do things. What you do is you remove hope. You remove reason for him to do anything. Make every choice he makes seem futile, and you can watch him quit. I mean, it's it's very simple. Um, and it's once, once they get into that mode, once you get a guy who just really has lost hope, he's done. Like he, they don't snap back out of that quick. Like if you, and, uh, the classic example of that, um, comes in another book that, uh, I read recently by, um, crap. Uh, oh, uh, Richard Reeves of boys and men. Have you heard of that one? That I have not. So he he goes on um, kind of on the other end of that. And uh, instead of going with hard number or, you know, like mathematical, he goes on, you know, like the, the sociological trends that are happening right now and the, the culture that is happening right now. And they kind of go in lockstep because one of the things that we've done in the that society has done, not just we, but society has done in the last mm, 20 years is redefine the role of women in society and uh they're no longer in maybe 20 30 years whatever but they're they're no longer relegated to you know motherhood being the first thing which is fine uh but we've went away from the quote-unquote traditional nuclear family and traditional quote-unquote christian values and all those kind of things that the united states in the 50s 60s 70s were kind of built on we've redefined that role for women and now it's, you know, you go girl and go get the job and go do whatever you want. And, and everything is, it's a platter all for you to have. And that's now the women's role. That's what we tell women to do as a society and culture, which is fine. What well, we haven't uh, done. Well, uh, actually, I'm going to step in a little bit on that one and say that as much as I think encouraging women to live their dreams actually no i'm not even going to go there because that's just bullshit um (laughs) to to actually alter their roles necessarily in a family in a way that makes them comfortable and happy um with that said what i don't like is the the same thing of that they've done with masculinity and calling it toxic where they villainized women who have chosen on their own to live what would be considered a a traditional life. If that's what makes them happy and content in their lives, why is that terrible? Because that is, that's, uh, that's seen as a threat to these quote unquote empowered women. And that's a different topic, but you're right. You're absolutely correct. And and I, and, and that is nothing against quote unquote empowered women. It's simply, if you, this is the way you want to choose to live your life, then you the should fact be able to do that without ex- scorn or ridicule. Exactly. And I totally agree with that. Uh, but we've redefined how women should act and be and the places they should inhabit in society. And what we haven't done is 
any of that for men. There is no new model. There's a new model for how women can act and be and, and relate to society. There is no new model for men. And there's no goal because it isn't being a provider. It isn't being a husband. It isn't being a father. None of that matters anymore as far as society is concerned. We don't have a role. We don't have a place. And in fact, other than elites, okay, I'm not counting the elites. You need to take the elite class and just knock it out because the elite class is a very different animal. You're talking your top politicians and your top, you know, hedge fund managers and your your billionaires and all. Like, take out the billionaire, 100 millionaire class, okay, the ruling class. Like, take that out. I'm talking about you and me and everybody else, right, normal society, Men are largely invisible uh, to to society. We it's it would be better if we just put our head down and shut up. As far as the media is concerned, as far as communications are concerned, as far as job titles are concerned, just like we don't have a clear picture of what it is we should be doing now, because the focus is on women and women's rights and women's jobs and education. Which, again, that's fine, but what you've done as a society is now disconnect all the men from what we should be doing. Like, what is it? Like, what should we be doing? And well, you, you find a lot of this, whether it's with religion, race, sexuality, gender, however it is, which is where you'll see people who will find a, a wrong in this world, whatever it may be, uh, having to do with race, having to do with sexuality, having to do with gender, have it, any of these things. But rather than looking at how to correct the wrong, uh, which is, and if you're you know, somebody who believes in women empowerment, which I am, the wrong is is the fact that women had role, had a role that they were crammed into and were told this is what you had to do. And instead of correcting that, there's been a sense of vengeance also on the people who supposedly put them into that role. Oh, so it's not much, it's, yeah. it's it's not just we need to empower women. Wonderful idea. It's we also need to punish men. So yeah, it, not it, so it, great an idea. <laughs> it, it, well, but see, it, it doesn't end up working because rather than having then the other 50 percent of the population on your side, you've now made them enemies. And and I, I don't agree with like there's a also a kind of a slight push right now from uh, the the conservative side. They're like, oh, we need to bring back Christian values. That's gone. OK, that's never going to happen again, because what Christian when they say Christian values, what they really mean is a woman in the home. Yes. And that's not right either. But, but see, you know, and that's actually something that, you know, though I. I, I touted it as a religious question, which I'll, I'll admit you pushed back on being the fact that I and I don't disagree with you that religion isn't the way to go with this. Um, the question that I had posed before at some point in time is, is that for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, whatever religion was popular in the specific area was the agreed upon set of life rules 
And I think with, with us going to a more secular society, which I don't necessarily see as a bad thing, the thing I think we're missing out of that, though, is is where do we find an agreed upon set of rules? Well, we don't because we because yeah. I don't think we have that anymore. We don't. We we absolutely don't. Not as not as a unified system, right? We yeah, can we can point to where women should go, but that's not a you know, like now you've left out half the population. Like okay, now what? Right? Like there's no but, goal but it, for but for in men. the but in the past, whether it was the Bhagavad Gita, the Koran, the Bible, the Torah, there was always something that someone could point at and say, this is where we at least find the idea of the rules. And as we've become more secular, once again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, we have that's what we lost becoming more secular is a place to point at and say, this is where we find the rules. We're, and the worst part about it is, is we're not even willing to do that for secular things anymore, because you now have people even pushing past things like the Constitution and saying, no, no, that's not the rules. It's like, OK, well, fine. Well, where do we as a society look to find that which governs interactions between people between without something that basically the entire population or at least the greater portion of the population can agree upon. And that's what I think part of the problem we're running into lately is the fact that there is nothing that the human population, especially the American population, can agree upon and say this is what governs our population. Everybody's got their own thing. If you've got, and it's even goes back into the complaint about anything that ends in the word ism. So yeah. if you're if you're into feminism, um, racism, uh, any of these isms out there, this is suddenly where you get your rules. And if somebody is not in the same ballpark as you are, following the same ism as you are, they're not following the same set of rules that you are. Uh, and so we're kind of going back to city states, but rather than being city states, it's ism states that are all fighting against each other for power. And there's no clear winner and they're not going to be right now. And there's because nobody has a better idea. Right. Nobody has a unifying idea that would say, oh, well, that makes sense. Let's do that. And make it stick. We don't have one of those right now. So what we're in is this kind of a mal, you know, just this this mashup of different forces kind of pulling on different things, which is great for the ruling class because it means we can't get in any kind of organized direction, which means well, they can do whatever the hell they want. Because if we don't have those rules, even, you know, talking about government, the Constitution, they can do whatever the hell yeah, they we want. We can't hold them to them. Exactly. So this is this is exactly where the government wanted us to be. You don't know what's happening, you don't know what's going on, and you don't know what you believe. Perfect. <laughs> we can exist in this state and do pretty much whatever we want. Um, you know the the Bureau of Truth. You know that that was the, <laughs> oh, a little too soon for that. Okay, okay, we'll put it on pause until you're ready. Uh, they, and they still be bringing that one back up. Oh yeah, like they're they're trying to get there. Okay, they're they're almost saying what they actually mean at this point. Uh, you know. I, now I haven't had a chance to look into it, so I don't know if this is accurate or not, or whether or not it's just something that's bouncing around the internet. But apparently, even if you look at PayPal's um, terms and conditions at this point, 
if you are deemed a spreader of dis or misinformation, they have the ability to just take everything in your account and say you're closed. Yeah. So there's there's been some pushback as to whether that's 100 percent accurate, but it's still it's, it's kind of like one of those things you're like, oh, yeah, this is the way shit's going. Yeah, well, the, they'll do it and then somebody will have to file a suit and they'll have to go up to the Supreme Court and everything. So they got time. Even if somebody calls them on it, they got a couple of years. Uh, of of between the time they get caught and the time they have to either stop or it gets proven out in in Supreme Court or you know they buy the Supreme Court whatever. Uh, but I guess my focus was, um, you know, like Richard Reeves believes in in of boys and men. One of his things was that he believes that the new direction for men or the new model for men needs to to incorporate around fatherhood. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. That's that's just not going to happen because women don't want men. They What they want is resources, providing, um, those kind of things. So well, they, if, they don't if you, want if, necessarily a if husband. You go back, if you go back to the, quote, unquote, the elites, they, they really don't want parenthood anymore. No. No, that's never going to be the message. Like what the the new model for men is not going to be anything to do with fatherhood. I mean, what we're going to do you can you can look at the debate with regards to education these days, in which you have most of the elite population going, um, parents just shut up and let us indoctrinate your kids and fuck off. Also, if you look at the higher educations, uh, any of the college enrollment and everything, and I know a lot of women push back on this, but but it's mostly women matriculating. Uh, right now it's it's like if you look at all the enrollments most 60 to 65 sometimes 70 depending on the college 70 to 75 percent women enrolling oh and then actually the funny thing is is that the number even goes up when you or the the disparity goes up even when you start talking about who graduates right uh men figure out very quickly i'm not winning here this is not going to be good uh, also, uh, the disparity is going – so in, in the next 10 to 20 years, you look at your professional work services, uh, it, all the degreed people are going to be women. Uh, that's all coming up. Now, it's – you know, they look at it right now and take away the top 5%, right, your CEO positions and all that kind of stuff. Take away the top 5%, and already you can look at the bottom, middle, and upper middle layers of corporate life – it is mostly women um, that is that's getting some of those promotions, some of those jobs, all those kind of stuff. That's already happening because they're the ones with the degrees, right? And women prefer office work. That's what they, if they're given their druthers, they would rather do office work because it's easier. Uh, it's physically easier. They can do it. They can have time off. They can have babies. They can have this. They can have that. It's much easier. Like women prefer office work, uh, that, and they're better at collegiate studies than men are. They just are. Uh, when you evened out the rules and, and evened out the admissions and all that kind of stuff, women do college better. Now, what does that mean going forward, right? What I think is going to happen, and this goes into my my thing as far as like what's going to happen as far as like the new role for men, um. It's going to separate. It's going to stratify even worse. What you're going to do is you're going to see men become manual laborers and women become white collar. And that's just how we're going to split society. 
gone is going to be, and I think this is really where the government's driving us as well, because they really like this idea. Gone is going to be the nuclear family. It's going to be gone. Um, and I've suggested this many times, and people laugh at me and tell me how I'm stupid, but I think what's going to happen is just like a school tax, we're all going to be having a child tax. And children will no longer be raised in a nuclear family, or it'll be all men, all everyone who pays for women to have children, because they won't be married. It'll be, it'll be a, a single mother household with a child and she will receive either stipend or tax credit or something like that for having kids. See, I, and, and I think it's going to go further than that. Um, that's just in the next 20 years. I think in the next 20 to 25 years, that's what you're going to get in the next, let's say we live that long. Uh, let's say the, that or the, the country doesn't boil down before then 50 to a hundred years, it's going to be even worse. Well, I think what you're going to wind up in, and the example I keep going back to is um, Demolition Man. I don't know why I keep saying this is our future, um, in which children will be test-tubed and crush-raised. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also think um, that as soon as they can manage it, because here's the problem, right? I don't think women necessarily, and you hear it all the time now. I mean, you hear it on on uh, content and media and shows and TV and daytime TV and, you know, all that kind of stuff, news, whatever. Um, women just can't figure out why we need men. And I don't think it's going to take that long before they just try and eliminate them completely. So, like you're saying, I think it's going to go past that. I think it's going to go like, well, okay, because they're, they're not going to want to raise sons. Why would they want to do that? Well, the, the, they're the, dirty and they, they don't they don't go to college. They, why would I want a son? I just want daughters. It'll be well, the reverse of China. You, you want to take this in a extreme direction in where these things go or can go, especially if you get to a point where children are test tubed and crush raised. The concept of gender will go out the window altogether. It won't be men versus women. It'll just be them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I think that what they'll do is they'll find a way to just replicate people with DNA. Yeah. And it, they'll all be women. All of them. They'll just eliminate well, men. Well, if if you take the, the, the two um, most popular speculative fictions with regards to how horrible the future can be, I think I'm tending to going towards uh, 1984, whereas just you're looking a little bit more towards Brave New World. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, it'll probably <laughs> uh, cut you the have, middle, but... <laughs> you, you have been genetically designed to do this job. You're unhappy? Take this pill. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think that's where you're headed. Um, Get and... married? No. You're respected to have sex with a different person every night just to keep everyone happy. I don't think they're going to have sex. I, no, I really actually, don't, because there's going to be no one to have sex with. I think they're going to, I honestly think in the next 100 to 120 years, they're going to engineer men out of the system. I, I really do think well, that. See, I, I don't know if they're going to engineer men out of the system. I think what you'll look at is, is I think you're probably um, more correct with the idea of keeping, uh, not keeping men around, but the, more of a division of labor in which somewhere along the line somebody's going to make a eugenics argument that women are better at this and men are better at that. Oh, we're already halfway there. Um, we're already but, going there. But as we come closer and closer and closer to having 
and every time uh, our friend Beef wants to say, we're not quite there yet, somebody comes a little bit closer to the idea of having a programmable companion in your home to keep you happy. Uh, I, I think that's where we're going, that the human human interaction or relationship in that fashion will go away. Yeah, I think you're talking in about 50 to 75 years. I'm talking in about 100, 120. Yeah. Because uh, I, what I think is going to happen, because what we're seeing right now is, you know, look at any media, any media you want. Like, look at daytime TV, look at the news, look at, like, check the internet, just a little bit. Go to YouTube, plug it in, you know. What you will find is women cannot find a use for men. They just think we're useless. And they don't think we're good fathers or good for family uh, raising. They would just rather have their corporate jobs, go to Starbucks, and have children, whatever the hell they want, and be paid to do that. And we are an inconvenience, and we're dangerous and toxic. And that's fine if that's what you are want you to do. Are you suggesting that the world is going to be populated with the uh, 30-year-old woman who's got a baby on one hip, a $1,000 phone in one hand, and a $10 latte in the other who's claiming that she can't make enough money to support herself? <laughs> no, because she will. The government will make sure she does. They They will be subsidized because... The population is going to go, the population boom happened with the boomers, right? Ever since then, we've been kind of slowing it down. What we will wind up doing is, because women will be in charge of everything. They will. They will be in charge of everything. They will have all the corporate jobs. They will have all the management jobs. And they'll just decide that this is how it's going to be. Well, even we're not going to have a vote, man. Well, even then, you're talking when you're talking about government subsidies, it's going to have to come from somewhere. Considering the fact that within, jeez, I cannot remember the number of years, but it was disgustingly close that 75% of the U.S. government's um, financial would be going towards um, uh, taking care of old people. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. They're, Entitlements. Well, that was the word I was. Yeah, looking for. and we're we're gonna like they're actively trying to reduce healthcare now so that they don't have to do that because our our standard of living has gone down and so is our life expectancy. By the way, we're the only uh, highly developed country where the life expectancy has gone down <laughs> by several years. By the way, uh, if you are an adult male in the country today, born after 1970. Your life expectancy went from 78 to 76 in the last five years. I mean, <laughs> and, like, and it's not, going and, down. Guys. And not to sound horribly insensitive and morbid, the chances of you actually coming to your end for blowing your own brains out is actually much, much higher. Man, yeah, uh, Nicholas Everstadt uh, uh, talked about that in his book, uh, Men Without Work, Deaths of Despair is, I think, what he called it. And... Um, I was like, holy, like, the numbers are horrifying. Uh, just, just terrible. Because, I, and, and here's what I was, uh, you know, to come back around to what I was talking about earlier in the cast. One of the things that they do that is absolutely horrible is they take the men's reason for living away, right? Like, you no longer have a family, so you're not working for those. You don't have a wife, so you're not going to work for her. You don't have kids, or your kids have been taken from you, so you're not going to work for them. There is literally, like, you can, 
And I don't know why it happens more with men. Maybe it's just because, you know, of, of how we're wired. Maybe it's because of what society has taught us. But, like, you take all that shit away from men and we just quit on you. Like, there's, we don't see a reason <laughs> to keep going. Well, I like, was what's watching, the point? I was know? watching a documentary last night on the Beltway Sniper. You remember that, like, 20 years ago? Yeah, vaguely. Okay. Well, you had a couple, a, 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 a 41-year-old man and his adopted 17-year-old son oh, driving around yeah, in a yeah, yeah, Chevy yeah. Caprice shooting people just randomly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he called him killer all the time. And he was oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, he fucked the kid up. Yeah. No question of this. No, he messed that kid up, yeah. But the part that I found ironic and interesting was finding out that just previously to all of this, that his wife had divorced him and in the process managed to get sole custody of it. Now, I don't know all the details around this. There may have been a very good reason for this, so don't take this the wrong way. But she had managed not only to get divorced from him, but to get sole total custody of all their children and make it so that he couldn't even see them anymore. Yeah. And moved across the country. Well, now, now, now wait a minute. The part that I found ironic in all of this was... When they interviewed her and her response was, I don't know what could have brought him to this state. <laughs> right. <laughs> really? Look, I'm not saying he should have done it, but really? You, you're not you're not thinking about there's could be possibly any reason why he might have gone nuts. None. Oh, yeah. No. And it's very easy to, to do because like in in one of the the most cruel things about the American justice system is family court. Uh, it was designed to protect women in the 50s and 60s uh, and 40s for that matter. It was designed to protect women and it changed a great deal after World War II when men were coming back from war and it was bad and you know it was there were things going on and everything and it was really needed at the time and it has done nothing but get systematically uh, more prone to protecting women and women's rights and women's interests. And the men in family court, and you can look up the numbers, no matter how the law is written, I'm more concerned about how it's interpreted and used. Men lose. Uh, almost all the way across the board. And there are anecdotal evidence that some, you know, some guys can come out of family court okay, 99% of the time, it's not. Um, and they get destroyed. They just get destroyed. And when there's nothing left, you know, like she's got the house, she's got the kids, she's got half of whatever you're going to make for the rest of your life. She's got your children and will turn them against you, no matter what you did or no matter how good a father you were or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, women always say the same thing. I would never do that. And, you know, it's, probably some of them won't. A lot of them do. Uh, just because they can or just because they don't want to lose their kids or because they want, you know, their situation different or whatever. And it will just destroy a dude. I, I know several uh, friends from high school and stuff that have been divorced and stuff. And they lost their house, kids, car, dog, and job in the same process and i dude joined the navy he just joined the navy and he's like screw it um I, i'll uh, hopefully i'll get in a war 
Like that was his that was his plan. Hopefully, I'll get in a war. And uh, it was like this was 10, 15 years ago, and it, as it happened, he did. Um, but I, it's deaths of despair for men happen so often now that it is one of the leading causes of death for men over 30. Uh, also, um, no one is talking about it because it's not important, right? It doesn't fit the narrative. And the narrative is women first, which is, again, that's fine. However, what we're doing is ignoring a huge part of society and one that is going to help shape whatever future it is that we're going to get to. And I, I, I'm i not clear on how this is going to affect future generations. I simply know that it is going to adversely affect the, what we think of as society if the needs of 50% of it are not addressed at some point. But right now it is very difficult for women uh right now to give up their advantages and they do have certain advantages in society family court is one of them uh it is entirely geared towards giving them financial stability and they can use it to punish men um and it happens all the time everyone every guy knows someone who has had this happen to them. I do. I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Uh, where it's just like they they got decimated. They got decimated in court. Now, I'm not saying all these guys are great guys and, and well, you know, everybody and, and, deserves and, the best, but damn. And also, and also to be fair, yes, to, to be, be fair, fair. <laughs> I also do know women on the other side of that who have came out just – have terrible stuck with kids and no money and no place to live and sure you know uh, so, so um, and as i do i know that's not the it's not the norm but it does the, happen the norm to be fair it does happen mm -hmm. and and this is part of like our legal system needs to be corrected and start at family court right like we really need to overhaul that but in order to overhaul it and here's what I think is part of the root of the problem. In our order to overhaul it, the women would have to give up. In order to make it fair and balanced, you'd have to give up the great advantages that they have. And I just don't think you could push that through. I really don't. Um, men have zero. And I'm not talking about the politicians. I'm talking about regular, everyday dudes like you and me. Okay, Not politicians. Not the elite class. I'm talking about regular people. Regular men have zero say over child, like uh, uh, whether whether a child is born or not. They have zero say over child support. They have zero say over the child care question in general or child children in general. None, no say, and no rights. So women well, would have I, to sort of. I, give up I'm, a little bit of that and that's not going to happen i'm going to give you some devil's advocate pushback on that one because i know that somebody listening to this somewhere along the line is going to say it so i'm going to throw it at you absolutely whether, whether i personally agree with it or not yeah somebody's losing their mind out there 
what what are you going to say to the person who says, what do you mean women would have to give up their rights, considering the fact that we now live in a country where you can know where Roe is gone, that this obviously shows that women are still oppressed? Women, women still right. don't have rights over their own bodies. Well, first of all, that should be fixed. Um, I'm a big supporter of Roe vs. Roe versus Wade. I think it was the wrong call. This is part of the uh, the thing where I think uh, where I was talking about earlier that you know the uh, the big promise and dream of the the conservative right is we're going to return to Christian values. Christian values got us screwed up in the first place. Okay. This is not something we need to go back to and saying promising a return to the nuclear 1950s Christian family is wrong. Okay, that's not the way we need to go. And they managed to pack enough of the Supreme Court with uh, right leaning people who wanted to tackle this down that which was always the Republicans plan um, that. It is now they struck it down. They managed to strike it down and push it back to the states. Now, legally, that was probably the right thing to do because of the way it was worded and because of the way it was done. But effectively, it was freaking stupid. Um, yes, give women reproductive rights. Absolutely. Give them the ability to have an abortion or not. However, um, still, let, let's say they do that. Um, men, whether women have reproductive rights or not, men have none. They have no say whether the woman terminates a pregnancy or not. Never have. None. Um, with Roe versus Wade was reinstated, men would still have zero uh, rights on reproductive uh, on our reproductive system. Uh, they are whether a woman chooses to terminate it or not, the man is still responsible for it. Um, if she does, great. If she doesn't, okay. But he still has no rights. Like he, it is whether he wants to be your father. So the the only way to win is not to play. And I think there is a which is really worrying, right? As a society, if you know. You have zero rights in a reproductive discussion. None. Uh, now, women argue, like, well, we should have rights. Absolutely, you should. It's happening. It's it's happening to us. It's these filthy men who got us pregnant. We should be able to terminate. I totally agree with you. I think we should. I think we should fix that. Um, but still, my argument still stands that men have no rights. Even if you do, we don't. The only way to win that particular game of reproductive rights is not to play. And I think there well, is a significant number of men right now that are coming to that conclusion as well, which is sad. In well, a way. The, the, the other portion of this is, and is the fact that rather than any attempt to find balance, that it is a combative system. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, For sure. the, the, there's no attempt to find balance between the two sexes, genders, whatever term you want to use for it. it, it it's a combative system. Because what the, the argument that women have, and they have a point, is if I become pregnant and you abandon me, I'm stuck with this kid. 
Oh, I'm I'm not even talking about just with the Roe versus Wade. I'm talking about just in the concept of how do we live together? And this is my point, I think, uh, which is an excellent question. And my point is right now, I don't think we do. I don't think we do. I think what what we are being driven to is very much like your demolition man thing where there is no living with each other. There is everybody is alone in their box. Women can through intent, purpose or accident get pregnant and then the government will give her a stipend, tax credit or or um I think you're going to get to a point where it's kind of like they'll even just take the baby off your hands for you. Maybe you know, state-raised children, <laughs> that'd be easier. You'd be loyal to the state. But Exactly. I, I think that's where we're, they're driving us to. That's That jives very, very well with the you'll have nothing and be happy. Because if you take the connections away, then what do you have connections to? It doesn't matter at that point. So that jives very well with where they want to drive it, Right. So, and I'm not talking in the next 10 years, 15 years, something like that. They can't do it that quick. They're going to try, but they can't do it that quick, right? It's, it's. Just, I mean, look at them. They can't even get EV vehicles working in the next 10, 15 years. They, <laughs> they're not going to work on They're not going to get you'll have nothing and be happy about it. They're not going to change, you know, like state-raised children or anything like that. I'm talking in 100 years, okay? You wouldn't believe, like, look at 1922, and look at the change in American and American value, Americans and American values since 1922. You wouldn't even recognize that person now. They're a dinosaur. That's what I'm talking about. When I talk about this is what we're moving to, I'm talking about in the next hundred years. Um, but I, I think this is where we're driving it. Um, I really don't see a return to quote unquote Christian nuclear families. It's not going to happen. No, that 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 concept is is it's if dead. It's, it's well, I don't think it's dead yet, but I think it's in its death throes. Societally, it is dead. It, it I, still it, exists, but so it is it's a lame duck. Okay, and I and I still have the same question that I posed before: is what is going to replace it? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think. One of the things I think that is going to replace it is the state-supported uh, single mother. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going back to more the concept of uh, societal rules. Oh, you know, that's it, easy. Because, as I said before, societal rules, even governmental rules, were based upon judeo-christian rules mm -hmm. that is going that is in its death throes that is going away hell it's even being used as one of the excuses as to why people think we should scrap the constitution and start over again so if that is going to go away whether you think that's a good idea or not what is going to replace it what is going to replace it as society's go-to as to thou shall not do will fill in the blank whatever one of two things will replace it and I don't know which one will win out right now because we're still in the middle of the fist fight. One is corporate. Okay. It'll be much like every cyberpunk thing you've ever seen where it will be corporatized, right? Corporate will run everything. And corporate rules the, the, will now the, be 
the Japanese tried that. It didn't really work for them. I didn't say it did work. I said that's what we're <laughs> going to go to. <laughs> and it's uh, there's nothing. What do you mean working? Like, we haven't discovered working yet. Like that's that's it's going a little far, sir. I've seen us implement stuff and it doesn't work. But I I think it'll be one of two things that we're going to try next. Let me put it that way. Um, it'll either be corporate and just be uh, corporate runs everything and a corporate contracts will will supplant the federal constitution the federal rules it will be corporate because they will have all the money uh the other thing that could do oh, it no, is, I'm a, I'm going to cut you cuz I have a question as far as how that could go yeah 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 do you think it would be overt or do you think it would just be so much it, it would become even more understood than it is now that your political figure is corporate bought. Oh, I think that uh, what it would be is is a gentle easing into the corporate. Um, you, you you'd still have Senator So and So, and even absolutely. though Senator So and So is from the state of whatever, you it would just be understood that this is even though he's saying he's representing this state, what he's really representing is Amazon. Exactly. I mean, it, but it but it wouldn't even these days it's like a a veiled, eh, whereas we get to a point where it's kind of like oh no no that's Amazon's guy yeah oh you know, no Amazon it, it has will, their yeah. representative it will I'll totally be like for that. him but yeah. it'll either be like that okay that's what we're that, that's what they're fighting against right now that's already starting to take place you have people who have more ownership and control than other countries in Europe right now that that have. You know, like Amazon has a bigger GDP than than France. <laughs> it's bad. Well, um, you you have you have more members of Facebook than you have of citizens in most countries. Right. So so look for that. Okay, that's that's going to be one. It will be corporate run. So that will be the the societal rules. Uh, what okay, they're okay. fighting. It, it, by, by the way, Yepix just said yes. I agree with you, and his head exploded. <laughs> I think that's one way it can go. What I think the government is using to fight against that is social justice and victimization as a weapon. And that is the uh, that's what the government is using to fight against corporate greed. And so, it's not working. So both Black Mirror and um uh, the Orville have postulated a society like this, in which case you walked around with a badge in which people liked you or disliked you, and you could actually be executed if you got bad enough. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. They would so literally it... cancel you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Figuratively and literally. Yes, absolutely. I think it will be one or the other, to be honest. I lean towards corporate because they have the money. Social justice only works when enough people follow it and subscribe to its bullshit. Money makes people do things, right? You need money to live. You don't need justice to live. <laughs> but um, <laughs> see, I, I listening to what you're saying, I'm not disagreeing with you. But what I'm envisioning is is more of a hybrid between the two. It'll probably be both, Where, at least for a you, while. Whereas you do have the, the corporate states running things, but what they're using to control is the social justice concept. Absolutely. I, I just think the 
Uh, and that may be where we're headed, but I think that is, in fact, where we're headed. Uh, because you cannot, right? The, right now, the federal system is trying to, to is still can exert control, but the problem is they ha- in order for them to exist in the way they do, they have to take massive amounts of money from corporations. And in order to do that, they have to keep taking massive amounts of money from corporations, which means they have a tighter and tighter and tighter hold on them. And it's Nancy been like Pelosi that since would the never 60s. allow that. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. I mean, is it is it even remotely close to is it is it even considered irony that she killed the bill that that had literally tons of bipartisan support to make it illegal for uh, her to do what she's doing yes <laughs> if they and, gave her and, the fucking vote on it well she's she's the one who decides whether or not they get to vote on it as speaker of the house yeah oh yeah and she and she's sitting there going yes we don't have the votes for that one and as everybody's standing up going yeah, yeah i'd vote for it <laughs> i'd vote i'd totally vote for that <laughs> It's, but it's, but but does it but does even does that even classify as irony or has that it gone so far beyond irony to like break the word? It's almost farce. I mean, it, you you look at it and you go, this is real life. This is actually happening, and nobody's saying anything because they can't. They can't <laughs> do anything. They are, for lack of a better term, owned and controlled. They, like, uh, they can't they, do anything without corporate approval. Which what was the ridiculous question that Biden was asked as he was trying to walk to towards his helicopter in which he didn't even say anything, just smiled and waved and slowly backed, backed away. Backed away. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> but they asked him something and he's just like, oh, I'm not going to touch that. You know, <laughs> you know, like they were talking in his earpiece, just back away, back away slowly. <laughs> don't answer. Don't say anything. My my other favorite is is yeah, uh, uh, yes. Um, uh, our President Biden has taken credit for gas prices going back down. Does he intend to take the blame for them going back up? And, and just the look on uh, what Jean whatever Jean Pierre's. face as she's just trying to figure out how to say, say no, <laughs> no, he's not taking credit for it going back up. We only take credit for the good, <laughs> but she can't bring herself to say that. I also love the the word salads you get out of Kamala Harris, you know, when she's asked the question and she just starts saying things. I, I, we talked about this before. I, I, I have the same joke in my head every time I hear her speak, which is Robin Williams going, sir, do you realize in the uh, dictionary and redundant it says see redundant? See redundant? <laughs> what would this great country be without this great land of ours, you know? Sir, under redundant in the dictionary, it says, see redundant? Yeah, it's like there was a, a, you just, you're like, do you guys know what a circular argument is? (laughs) Have you heard it before? It's it's not even a circular argument. She literally just didn't say, she literally didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, Like best little whorehouse in Texas. What was that? It was impossible, maybe. (laughs) You know, like. They, they can't they can't do anything. They are so hamstrung trying to protect their position that they can't do anything but protect their position and try and stay in office and consolidate power. And the only way they can do that is with corporate money. And the more corporate money they have, the more corporate control 
uh, has over the decisions they make. So, but, but you got to people... keep around at least one Bernie and one Elizabeth Sanders, not Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren to uh, to at least per- pretend to be against all of that. I it, and it's it's almost comical. Right. Like you watch it and it's like a badly written play (laughs) like, well, if I was going to write this for total effect on stupidity, this is what I would do. And then that happens. And you're like, oh, okay. And nobody seems to we must as a country, we must like this. This must be what we think is good. And, And obviously enough people approve of this. And think this is a fantastic way to go, that we're simply not fighting it. So I'm of the opinion this must be what makes us all comfortable. Corporate control, social justice, um, we're going to marginalize 50% of the pop. well, what's now 50% of the population, and just shove them in blue-collar jobs. Shut up, men. <laughs> go to blue-collar jobs. We're going to subsidize women. And in child rearing. And that's really kind of, I think, going to be our position for the next 50 years. Um, and again, there's going to be, uh, like everybody loves to throw these out. I'm just telling you, when I'm talking about these things, remove the political and the billionaire class. Okay, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about regular people. The billionaire class and the elite class and the politician class or the ruling class, if you want to call them that, follow different rules. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman in that class. Their rules do not apply to them. I'm talking about everybody else. Um, I think that's largely what's going to happen uh, in the next 20 to 50 years. And we're just sort of, as a country, apparently fine with that. <laughs> so I, well, it's amazing I, to me to watch. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> Well, there is increasing, 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 increasing talk about people on both sides about whether or not a civil war is coming. Oh, I think we're too pussy as a country to be a civil war to to do that. I think I honestly think we don't have the balls for it anymore. I really don't. I think we're we. I, if I you offer we're... them coffee and Wi-Fi, they will stop. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. <laughs> See, I, I don't think we're going to end up with, quote unquote, civil war. What I think we're going to end up with is the things we saw in 2020 uh, with uh, Seattle and civil uh, unrest. I think we're going to see that to a just it's just such a dramatic increase. Oh, that's but, yeah, but see, here's I think my... what you, but no, I think where we're coming to is the fact that the, those of us who are peons are going to be living in the purge while. Um, the elites, as you as you call them, are going to be living in compounds, toasting each other. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that's that's totally going to be what's going on. Um, and and I and I really do have to say that whether you agree with it or not, I love the right's response to this. Well, you guys are the ones that don't want guns. We've got them all. <laughs> Look, you, you, you want a war? Fine, I'm already loaded. Let's go. Look, I'm from the South. That's kind of how we think about things down here. <laughs> like, I can hunt, and I have guns, <laughs> and I have more ammunition than you have people. So, I'm pretty cut, and all my family can do the same. You're going you're gonna to attack me with a skateboard. Yeah. Great. Go for it. I'm going to annihilate you. 
You know, I've been practicing hitting things at 375 yards. Okay. Like, you won't even see. In fact, the bullet is still supersonic out of a 6.5 Creedmoor at 375 yards. You won't hear it. Um, yeah, I've had conversations like that with people down here. And uh, that's really how they think. I'm like, you, you laugh, but that's like, they really do think that it is going to come to that. Now, I don't. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to come to an organized war, too. I think there's going to be enough violence that the elites will just pack themselves into compounds and say the rest of the people can purge each other. When they put a wall around Martha's Vineyard, you know we're about ready to kick it off. <laughs> All right? <laughs> you think I'm kidding. You, you, you mean the people who freaked out at 50 A bus full of people? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. You watch for now, like yeah. Now, as as much as I'll say, my own thought process on this is, you know, what Governor Abbott is doing when he's sending people to other states is is legitimate, considering the fact that these people are flooding into his state. Yeah, it's really easy to ignore when you're not there. But DeSantis, on the other hand, went and took people from Texas, brought them to Florida. <laughs> I don't know what to ship to north. I don't know what DeSantis is doing. <laughs> I understand what Abbott is doing. I don't like Abbott, but I, like this but, is one of the things that he's done that I thought I just thought was hysterical was but, the whole but, busing. But you have to admit that even though what DeSantis did was without question a political stunt of just the sleaziest proportions. Oh yeah, it was fucking hilarious. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was funny. I loved that Martha's Vineyard was just in like and, and immediately they're getting like a couple of hundred, a couple of thousand. We're getting hundreds of thousands in Texas. Like it is a legit issue here uh, that we are. We do not have the system in these border towns to support. So when they move out from there. There's all kinds of things that happen when you have a large group of humanity that has no way to support itself happening along with it. And that is a legit problem. I totally agree with Abbott and the the Texas uh, authorities on this is something we do need to deal with. Our border, at no matter what Kamala fucking Harris tells you, the border is not secure. Okay, and I love that they're arguing over what the definition of secure is now because they can't. Oh, well, he argued, he argued over what the definition of recession is. Yeah, exactly. And then we changed it. Uh, so they're they're arguing over that. But look, the, the simple fact of it is there's a lot of folks coming from Mexico to here. And we do not have the infrastructure support and money to to handle all the people that are coming. So Abbott's play was to bring attention to this scenario in which nobody was listening. Well, nobody's still listening, but they're bitching about it now, which means they're talking about it, which for Abbott was a win. <laughs> right? For Abbott, that was a win. And I think he spent like $20 million. Uh, and what's funny is most of Texas, not all of it, but most of Texas went money well spent. You know, <laughs> yes, use our tax dollars in this manner. Uh, Austin freaked out the rest of the Texas. Yeah, exactly. Austin wigged out, but almost. But they don't go to Austin. That's that's not a migrant city. They did. They go right by Austin because no, there's no work there. Right. 
they can't find work in Austin, so they'll go to Houston, they'll go to San Antonio, they'll go to Dallas, they'll go, they'll go to the other Corpus Christi, Galveston, any any of the other big cities that will they can find work in. And there's there's a a large contingent of people who uh, need help, and they're not getting the help they deserve. Now, what? <laughs> When you ship them to Martha's Vineyard and the rich people wig the fuck out and call the National Guard, um, you're like, really? <laughs> really, there guys? Is, there is one thing that I will say that I thought was rather interesting in the interview with the author that uh, – I forgot his name already. Um, Nicholas Everhart? Yes. Yeah. One of the arguments that he just Everstand? shattered yeah. – he just shattered for the right – was the argument that all of these people are going to come in and overwhelm the social services. They're not. They're not. They're not actually the ones taking social services. They're the ones actually working. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's one of the lies that the the right says. It's it's not that they... Uh, it, it's not social services that they need. It's it's jobs and houses and, and stuff like that. And, and it's but the, the funny thing is, is they're taking the jobs that the people who are on social services are saying they don't want. Right now, which which I thought was just astounding and, and just it was kind of like, OK, well, that just shatters that argument. It does. It 100 percent does. And I I. No, no system is ever perfect, and no government is either. However, ours is more well, broken still, than a lot. It's still, it's still people. It's the, yeah, it's still people. And even if it wasn't, even if it was controlled by a benevolent AI or or whatever. Well, well I, you know, look, I, I keep talking about the being able to have the list of rules that you can point to, and what I personally think they should be is the Constitution. But oh, we'll never once again, that. they're trying to get rid of the damn thing. Exactly. So what you've got is you've got people who are just trying to deny that these rules even exist. And it's kind of like, OK. Yeah, we're kind of half Animal Farm, <laughs> half 1984, you know, like eh, kind of squeezing in between there. You know, I really think um I really think it's going to be corporations who just own and control the government and then use social justice to lash out at the dissenters. I, I really think that's going to happen in the next 50 years. So so which cyberpunk gang are you joining? Oh, man. Um, well, it, once again, this all postulates the fact that, that you, you know, this all doesn't come to an end when Putin just decides to start lobbing nuclear war, nuclear <laughs> weapons because he's losing. See, I think it'll be much more like the pipeline. Right. Like, oh, who knows who could have disabled this pipeline? It, oh, who knows how these things could have happened? It's, you know, Biden gets on TV and says, we're going to kill that pipeline. And then suddenly the pipeline dies in like three different places. And they're like, well, we have no idea who done this. You know, then the CIA is just like, you know, it's. It's very obvious. And, and you've got, like, cable news out there doing their research. We think it was the Polish, you know. We think it was this, you know. You guys are morons. Of course it was us. Of course it was the CIA in conjunction with the military. It's coming out now that we've got special operators already working in Ukraine. 
Um, but we're not quote unquote at war. Well, I, well, see that that's the other one that's kind of interesting that that I don't think some people are quite grasping what's get what it would happen is you know Ukraine is still trying to join NATO. Right. If NATO allows Ukraine in, they are at war with Russia. We are we literally are the moment that's with, signed. Yeah, the moment it's signed, NATO is now at war with Russia. Russia, whatever else is going on, is still a superpower. There's a well, reason they attach that word to well, a country. Well, Russia is at this point in time buying conventional weapons from North Korea of all places. Oh, man. But um, at the same time, they do have the second largest. Well, actually, I take that back. We may have the second largest at that point. They may have the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons in the entire world. And if Putin decides to throw a temper tantrum because he's losing, uh, yeah, civilization, civilization over. Well, you know, if it is, you won't feel it. That's all. Oh, I'm as saying. I said, I you know I I won't live long enough to have known that it happened. I mean, back just to where like, I live. <laughs> you know, I mean, we won't. I mean, there's a fifty-fifty chance I'm in D.C. when it happens. Right. You know, um, it's the flyover states that are going to have to worry about the mute zombies and the and the wastelands and all that kind of which, stuff. Which which I which which was very very comforting the day I was in D.C. and found out that they ran an emergency evacuation drill for the the, the uh, for the president and all them. Right. Now they are claiming that it was a drill. I'm personally of the opinion that they went, oh shit, he's got his finger on the button. Let's get out of here and just call it a drill. <laughs> Yeah, also the U.S. has purchased uh, all they could find of anti-radiation meds in the last month and a half. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw that one, too. That was kind of like, oh, that's comforting. Oh, it's spiffy, guys. Thanks. Like, what are you what are you doing? Uh, so, look, whatever. I that, mean, that was that was just like them in 2020 purchasing all the masks they could find going. Nothing to see here. Uh, everything's fine. You know. And don't get me started on Fauci, that fucking liar. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, I freaking hate that guy. He's on, like, my list of top five that I just, I hate that guy. Uh, but, I mean, it, look, as far as I'm concerned, for regular people, nuclear war is just not something you need to be concerned about because you're not going to feel it. Most, most of the country live on the coasts that are going to get nuked. <laughs> you won't live yeah. through it. It's fine. Nuclear war has no effect for you in reality. It will just be lights out. <laughs> That's it. So as far as I'm concerned, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's either going to happen or it's <laughs> not. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Well, as I said before, at least I'll get a nap. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's nothing you can do in realistic terms. Like it, it, we have no control over it. You have to, and this is the scary part. You have to trust your governments to avoid nuclear war. Yeah, I keep picturing like um, uh, the the uh, both the movie and the graphic novel Watchmen, where you've got Nixon going, "That doesn't sound so bad." <laughs> Or uh, uh, Mars attacks. You've got two out of three branches of the government working for you, and that ain't bad, right? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> when did this become what? You know, 
that's that's what you get. Look, look, you have to depend on those idiots to avoid nuclear war. This has nothing. <laughs> nuclear war has nothing to do with you and me. Like we don't get to decide on nuclear war. That's all the idiots that we elected and or allowed to be in power. Okay, nuclear war happens. It's because we were so stupid and let our hands off the wheel for so long that it is now taken out of our hands. That's what nuclear war means. And you won't. Most of the country won't ever know. <laughs> There'll be missiles launched. Oh, shit. Should we tell them? Uh, why bother? <laughs> Not like they could run. <laughs> Not like they could get out of the blast zone. <laughs> we're all screwed. You know, so. OK, uh, it's, it's, it's why I never worry about it. I'm like, it's why I never worried about aliens attacking. If aliens ever attacked, there's Look, not a damn thing we dude, could do. Yeah, you're you're just going to try to sleep with one. Right. Are they sexy? <laughs> Is it a sexy veterinarian? Well, uh, hey, uh, look, it, uh, for those who don't know, Sean, when he, his, his definition of sexy is very, very loose. Uh, the xenomorph <laughs> from the actual Aliens movies uh, is something he finds interesting. She just needs a snuggle. I'm sure she'd be fine. <laughs> like, clear the phlegm out of her system. Give her some chai. You know, calm her down a little bit and have a night. I'm, I, she is hurting for intellectual conversation. Okay. <laughs> She's got about 1,500 kids, you know, so she's, like, a little stressed. Uh, like, take her on a date. See what happens. I mean, God, I, like, let's go bowling. Let's see, like, something, you know. Would you prefer some pink champagne? Like, we can get that at the bowling alley. Don't worry about it. Like, there, she's just lacking for conversation. And she won't care what you look like. She doesn't have eyes. It's fine. <laughs> well, on that happy note. Have you been consuming anything in the entertainment world worth discussing? You know what I have, um, and it's not, and it's not something you would expect from me. Uh, I watched this last night, and I find, and, and this is funny because I don't watch sports like at all. Um, but uh, I watched the Netflix documentary, The Redeem Team. Have you seen this? Um, I've seen the documentary. I've not watched the documentary. It's actually really good. Uh, do you remember in 1992 uh, Barcelona Olympics, the Dream Team, right? They sent, yes. uh, like, Michael Jordan. Like, everyone on that 12-man team was a future Hall of Famer and or one of the best people to ever step on the court, right? Yes. You had Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, David Robinson, Charles Barkley. Like, everyone there, was, like, even if you didn't follow basketball, you knew who every one of them were, right? They yes. dominated the Olympic basketball uh, uh, scenario. You had teams in there getting their autographs, and, you know, th like, we would like to lose respectfully by 80. We think that would be a close game. Like, that was <laughs> the 1992 <laughs> Barcelona Olympics in basketball. And progressively from that, it just got kind of, like Americans do, lazy, right? We just throw NBA players at it, and we kick ass. Well, in 2004, we lost. Oh, yeah. Bad. Like, it was embarrassing oh, yeah. we lost. You know, and it was like the rookies of that time were like Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James and, you know, like people like this who were like were standing with a bronze medal around their neck. Well, I, I think it was Greece or somebody were, were like kicked our ass it wasn't even close i mean it was like embarrassing 
And for the next four years, uh, what Americans did was decide that this was not going to happen again. Uh, And they built a team led by... Of all people, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, uh, uh, Dwayne Wade, like all these guys who will be in the future, I think, Hall of Famers, um, to take back the gold. And it was a fascinating story. I love the way, like, it was cool to see how they built it, what they did, the strategies they implied, uh, what they, how they, because all of these guys have huge egos, right? They carry their teams and they are the pride of their, their different cities and they all have egos. How do you make that all work together? Cause in the dream team in Barcelona, there were no egos, right there. It was just like, you know, we're going to go annihilate people. Most of those guys had played together. Right. And even though they were competitive, it was, they were all friends. Right. You know, and, and it was like I think the only one that actually had any like personality conflicts whatsoever was Rodman, <laughs> and he's had personality conflicts with everybody we, except for Kim Jong Il. Yeah, exactly. He went to North Korea and was perfectly at home. That should tell you something. Uh, <laughs> this is a problem. But I mean, even Michael Jordan, who was by all accounts, if you've ever watched any of the documentaries on him, enormously difficult to be on the court with. Right. Because he was that good and that driven. Even he was like, yeah, let's go get this done. They were all united for a common goal. And we just sort of lost that. And in 2004, we lost. (laughs) We not only lost our drive, we lost the games. And in 2008, they wanted to fix it. And they did. And it was called the Redeem Team. It was what it was nicknamed. And it was a, a really cool story. To watch and I enjoyed the hell out of it. I don't like sports, but I love movies about sports, if that makes any sense. Like, I love sports movies, you know, like my favorite one in the world is Moneyball. Um, well, Moneyball Day. was so much actually, I love the movie Draft Day. I mean, it's so fucking good. <laughs> Say it, you <laughs> pancake eating motherfucker. <laughs> I love Draft Day, Moneyball. I, I watch those all the time, they're great. I. You know, it, it's 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 interesting to to get the images of what goes on behind the scenes of those types of things, though. Absolutely, it so. is. It's it's fi- terribly fascinating to me. More than the actual game, I love seeing what's going on and the strategies that happen behind it and and all that. Um, the one of the one of the great quotes I remember from Moneyball is when uh, the owner of the Boston Red Sox is talking to Brad Pitt, the the general manager for the Athletics, and he's like. The first one through the wall always gets murdered. They always get hammered. doesn't matter whether it's money or baseball or whatever it is. The first one through the wall is always bloodied because you're changing the way they do things. And whenever that happens, it doesn't matter what it is, it, it causes them to panic. And I, I was like, Holy shit. Like, it's true, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, the first one through the wall is always just like, oh, shit, you know? And then everybody goes, wait a minute, that worked. And then there's just this terrific pile on how they well, work. You know, the uh, the other book he wrote uh, with regards to sports, which was The Blind Side. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, fantastic it, movie. 
the movie was fantastic, but even then the book was very interesting because what they cut out of the movie was how much of the book was about the recruiting process for football mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and getting into college and all that. And, and that was really quite interesting. Oh, which is why draft day is fantastically uh, like I, I love seeing the process and seeing what happened because I had to look up like what happens on a draft and how they do this and what the rules are. So I oh, understood yeah. more about the movie because I don't and, know how that shit works. And even up to the last minute, you've got all those guys calling each other, negotiating over who's going to get what, do what and have what. Right. <laughs> and it's all about who can screw who over the fastest. Right. And and who can leverage the most position so that they can get what they need to get without uh, giving anything up. And it's it's what. They're just fantastic. I love watching sports movies. I don't necessarily like watching sports, but I love sports movies that that give you some kind of glimpse into those worlds. So anyway, that's my stuff. I I suppose the Redeem Team Moneyball and Draft Day. So, (laughs) Um, well, the the one I watch, I've been having a tough time lately with stuff to watch. I mean, I've been starting seasons and series and getting like four episodes in and kind of going, never mind. Um, uh, actually, the very just the last episode of She-Hulk was actually pretty cool. I heard that the last episode of She-Hulk was amazing, but uh, I I tried the first couple and I'm just like, oh, what the well, hell I, is this? See, it, it's because it's nothing it comes, like the comics. N- no, actually, they've got it kind of flip flopped and back. And I've read the those. That's because, like one of the few I read, and I'm like, well, this is not her. The comics is all about how she wants it, – it's always about her balancing the two different personalities, Jennifer and She-Hulk. Yeah. But in the in the show, she's preferring Jennifer and having to deal with the fact that she has She-Hulk. Right. In the comic books, it's the other way around. She loves being She-Hulk. She but hates doesn't like being Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. She's, she's, it, Jennifer is an inconvenience. Yeah. Um, but uh, I – I think Marvel is actually doing something that a lot of people aren't recognizing. It's something they've kind of done to some extent from the beginning, with the exception of the specifically Avengers movies. Um, I think somebody put it perfectly when they said that Captain America um, Winter Soldier was a spy movie that happened to have superheroes in it. And that was one of the things that made it entertaining. Uh, I could largely agree with that, yeah. Okay. Well, do you remember the show Ally McBeal? Of course. Okay, this is Ally McBeal with a superhero in it. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I just don't happen to like that. For well, her. For for She-Hulk. I, I actually, I agree with you. But the, the moment they're starting to let her be She-Hulk... Um, now in the past couple of episodes, I've I've actually enjoyed the past couple. Um, Andor has actually been kind of fun, uh, though I'm not really up to date with it. But Andor has given me a craving that I started talking to you about for something else out of the Star Wars universe that we haven't gotten. I would really like to see a political House of Cards style thriller coming from the Star Wars universe. I want to see that guy who politically manages to make his way through the transitions from old republic to empire and then lives then lives through the empire and manages to survive the transition from uh empire to new republic and still manage to have political power and all of that manages to be that politically savvy playing both sides against the middle to survive all of that (laughs) i think i think my favorite 
my favorite one recently, and I can't remember if it was you or somebody else who sent it to me, is have you seen the one where it's like uh, that guy in the tower? <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> it's just a dude in the little lookout tower. I see a ship. I said, oh, you got it on radar, do you? Okay, okay, okay. And they keep throwing his drink up to him, and they win, and there's nobody to celebrate with him. <laughs> the fact that if you look at it, there's, there's, there was never any ladder. Yeah, there's like, you're just stuck there. <laughs> they don't really care about him. And they have these advanced tracking systems, yet they got a guy in a crow's nest. Right with binoculars. That's all. Look, we're gonna tell his story because there's no stories left. Well, everything we kind of get is that that old west uh, outer rim type thing, which I really do enjoy. Look, I but but I I would really like to see the inner workings of politics in the old republic, the new republic, the empire, and all of that, and just having somebody who manages. To, to work his way through that and survive. He doesn't even have to be like a powerful senator. Just imagine like one of the bureaucrats who manages to make himself sound important. Enough. Um, uh, the Coneheads, David Spade's character. <laughs> Super guy. <laughs> the, the, the world-class ass kisser. Uh, I, I, the two I enjoyed more than anything else was, of course, The Mandalorian. And the Book of Boba Fett. Now, I know Book of Boba Fett gets a lot of crap, but I thought it was brilliantly done. Uh, and I love telling the story of people who are just making their way and don't really have a political affiliation. They just want to get paid, which is about where I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would just really love not to lose my house. That would be, that would be great. Uh, and... There's nothing to me. There's there's nothing better than one of those stories. Now I don't particularly like Disney has a has kind of a slanted woke view of some stuff recently, and I know they're getting a lot of crap for that and taking it in the teeth. And I don't necessarily agree with the way they're writing some of that stuff, but those two were actually pretty good. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, they were really well done. Now, I know Disney has the hate on for Gina Carano, but she was one of the best written Star Wars characters you will find. Uh, and uh -huh. I, I think she could have been her own story because she was fantastic. She was about to be. Yeah, she was fantastic. I also hope that uh, the Marshal, which is Raylan Givens in space. Uh, well, he's actually going back to playing Raylan Givens. I know. I wish they could have done a story on him because, like, I was like, it's Raylan Gibbons with a blaster. Please, 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 somebody do this. Please, somebody make a story out of this. This is, per this is like everything in my head, only it's real life. Please. Hey, you could actually do that story. I you know. You could do the, the uh, Imperial um, or even Republic um, uh, Marshal who gets sent back to the backwater he grew up in. Uh, just, uh, you know, so he, grew, he grew up on Tatooine, and now he's stuck working on Tatooine yeah, again. He, he knew everybody a, on Tatooine. Grew up in a southern swamp planet that looks remarkably like Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wear a hat. That's, uh, yeah. uh, have you seen the TikTok of the, um, the middle management HR Imperial chick? Yes. I love her. <laughs> 
That is like the antithesis. <laughs> like that is like the other side of retired stormtrooper. No, 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 no. Darth Vader does not get involved in this. You come to me first. And if I can't solve it, then I get Darth Vader involved. Then I I'm get telling Darth. you, don't want him to do you that. You don't want him involved, all right? That's all I'm telling you. It's not going to turn out good for you, all right? That's all I'm saying. You don't want to go to him with this. All right, but don't say I didn't. But what I have actually watched through, which was I did find extremely entertaining. There is a new movie on, on Netflix called Lou. Have you seen this? I have not, no. Okay, I am drawing a blank as the name of the actress who plays Lou, but it's somebody that you will recognize thoroughly. Um, but it is, you've got Lou plays a woman who lives somewhere extremely rural, uh, Pacific Northwest. Oh, wait, 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 no, it's uh, Allison Janney. Yes. It? Yeah, or Janie, Janie, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, I've seen, I've, I have not seen the movie. I have well, seen the trailer for it. It starts off where she is just one of the nastiest, most unhappy human beings on the face of the earth. <laughs> she has a tenant who lives on her property in a trailer uh, who is a single mother. And she's just a cunt to her. No question under the sun. Just She's just mean. Well, somewhere along the line, this woman's daughter gets abducted, and she ends up going to Lou's house to use the phone. It turns out Lou just takes control of the whole thing and helps and, and tries to help her find her daughter. And it's kind of like, why is this bitch doing this? <laughs> but it, it, it turns out to be just an. It, it, when it's all said and done, it's a great story. I mean, it, it's. I won't go so far as to say that it's unpredictable, but. Uh, yeah, g great story. Every, every bit worth a watch. <laughs> Shannon was watching this um, the other day, and I was doing something. I think I was uh, uh, sanding a kayak uh, when she was doing it, and I walked by, and, and it was this, because I thought she, at first, because it's very Pacific Northwest, and I thought she was watching Twilight or something. It was all in the woods and shit, and I'm like, what are you watching? She's like, it's Lou, and I'm it, it actually that? doesn't surprise me that Shannon would like Lou. <laughs> She's like, I don't know, but I like it. Oh, no. As I said, you, you spend the whole thing just sitting there going, why is this woman so mean? <laughs> and then it's kind of like, um, not only is she mean, but then if she's going to be this mean, why is she helping somebody? <laughs> None of this makes any sense. Exactly. Do you ever find out why she's helping? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. And as I said, it's not. I, it is by no means unpredictable. <laughs> no, you, you you really kind of see it coming, but at the same time, it, it it's it's a good story. Right on. So, anything else? Oh, I think I've rambled on and pissed people off enough. Well, uh, then we will attempt to see everyone next week. Indeed, we will. And if you've made it this far, thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I can't like. I know that I've exploded some people's brains, and they're they're typing up righteous indignation right now, or complaining to you, whichever. Actually, both. actually, righteous indignation. We do want to hear it. Uh, gentlemen's soapbox at gmail dot com or at gsbcast on Twitter. Please send us the righteous indignation. Um, we actually have some righteous indignation from our previous cast in the uh, hopper ready to be discussed. We just haven't quite gotten there yet, uh, but we really do appreciate the righteous indignation. Please send. Yes, we do. In fact, that's part of the reason we do this cast. So once again, hopefully we'll see you next week.